your host, Braylon Williams, and welcome back to another episode of Enneagram Restored Podcast. For my faithful listeners, I thank you once again for listening. For new listeners, I hope you enjoy this episode. So today we're going to start talking about the head triad. We're going to begin looking at the types of the head triad. So let's get started, shall we? Let's start by taking a look of, of, of the comp- composition of the head triad. The types that make up the head triad are types five, six, and seven. Fives are alert people. They're insightful. They're independent. Type fives are really just able to focus on developing complex ideas. Why? Because Fies fear being useless. So with this desire to be competent, they are able to really hone in on developing these complex ideas that might be too complex for other people to really just to really kind of lay out in an easy, understandable way. Fives are that way. So something that's complex and uncomprehensible for one person a five can make it very much more understandable and able to really lay out the groundwork of that plan. As kids, fives pick up on this wounding message that you're not capable of handling life's demands. So if you want to survive, you'll need to emotionally detach yourself. Again, this childhood message, that that message of saying, okay, as a person, you just cannot do this. You cannot handle this. You cannot handle that. That drives fives. That, that's why fives just have, have this desire to be competent. That's why they really want to say, oh, yes, I can. I can do this because of that message that has just so much uh, as kids what again this is a message that you know not necessarily has it been spoken verbally towards them but more often than not it's a message that they somehow subconsciously just perceived as they were kids but this message of being told you're not capable is what drives the fear of being useless, but it's also what drives the desire of a five to be competent. Six is though. Just like fives, type six is our alert type of people. They are also vigilant. Sixes are very security oriented type people. Uh, Kind of, I like to say they're kind of like psychics of mishaps. Sixes are the type who will have a backup plan for everything that possibly could go wrong. Not everything that will go wrong. There's a difference because everything that will go wrong is kind of more able to be materialized. It's kind of when you say, all right, 
we're going to plan this outdoor event on this weekend, this day, at this venue. There, there, there are certain things that you say, all right, this might go wrong, you know. Weather might not turn out how we hoped it to be. Might get rained out, so we had to have a backup venue inside. That that's a more, you know, backup plan for what could go wrong. But sixes, however, they have a backup plan for everything that possibly could go wrong. And why? Because they desire security. They desire support because of their fear of being without supporting guys. And this is all because as kids, sixes, when, when they figure out that the world isn't safe and that adults can't be trusted, they respond by one or two ways. They either respond by obeying adults, obeying what they say, or rebelling and saying, all right, I'm going to do this instead. Sixes and sevens are kind of alike, though. When, when we when we talk about this, when we talk about sixes and having a backup plan for everything that possibly could go wrong, they're kind of like sevens in a way. And I'll tell you how they're like sevens. Once, after I tell you some of the basics about sevens. So let's, before we go there, let's look at sevens. Sevens are extroverted and optimistic. So while a seven can be very playful, very spontaneous, and very high-spirited, it is easy for a type seven person to overextend themselves. Type seven people bounce from one activity to another and to just really squeeze out every bit of enjoyment that life has to offer. So, and, and as children, sevens, Pick up on this message, this only message that you're on your own. No one's here to support you or to take care of you. That this only message is why sevens fear being deprived and in pain. Sevens fear pain, they, so they create a neverland in their mind. So. A neverland and they create this neverland in their mind so that when they experience pain they can go there and escape such pain until the pain is gone it's because of their basic fear of being deprived sevens also have a basic desire to have all their needs fulfilled I kind of misspoke just a minute ago when I said sixes are like sevens. So just when I said that, just kind of just kind of forget that um, because I misspoke on that. I'll tell you why. It, it, when it comes to something, when it comes to another part, I don't know how I misspoke on it, but just. Wipe that from the slate and know that sixes are not 
like sevens really so that's just a little bit of an overview of type five six and sevens the 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 types which make up the head triad are the head center um, and the message as kids that they pick up. Next, I want to look at the deadly sins and, and, and the way they deal with fear. I've talked about this with every other type of the Enneagram, um, but as you know, each type of the Enneagram has a deadly sin. And I want to just quickly take a look at what that daily sin is for type five, six, and sevens. So for a type five person, they have the daily sin of avarice. What is avarice? Avarice simply is greed. But fives don't have the daily sin of greed and how you would typically think of it. But moreover, it is a, it's a greed in a way that when we, it's not about gaining more, but but it's it's about a five's need to retain and to protect what little they already have. So not greed on acquiring more, but greed on keeping. So to give a little bit more clarity to this, I, I say it in this way. Don't ask a five to donate their clothes, their their um, kind of deepest knowledgeable items, because they are having for them ha having this profound insight that they come up came up with it themselves. It, it is would be giving away a part of them, giving away. Uh, what little they have. So when I say when I say greed and talking about type fives in the inning ground, it's not that they want more. It's not that fives are greedy for a new house that has twenty bedrooms that they won't use, only but one, a bathroom in every hallway. But it's this greed that they don't want to give away. They want to keep and protect whatever little it is that they have. Sixes have the deadly sin of fear. But it's not really, so when we say sixes have the deadly sin of fear and talking about the Enneagram, we're not really, we use one word, but we actually mean a different thing. So more more likely, that's not the word I'm looking for. I can't remember what word I'm looking for. The best way to say this is that we, we use the common word fear as the deadly sin for type six, but it's really more anxiety. I'll tell you why. The difference of that. I'll tell you the difference between fear and anxiety and why, even though we say it's fear, it's more anxiety. So fear arises when there is a visibly clear and immediate danger 
Whereas when it comes to anxiety, I don't know what that was. When it comes to anxiety, it's a response to a vague sense of apprehension that is that arises from an unknown threat that may never materialize. So fear is okay. So I'm gonna go kind of fandom here. I like it. The movie it Pennywise the Clown. I like it. Connects anybody who knows me. Um, little side story here. I used I still have the poster, but I used to have a Pennywise poster that out in in my dorm room. I live on the third floor, um, and so I used to have freshman year. I had this poster up of Pennywise, and you when I had the window blinds open, you, you can see the poster. It's not how I didn't think about positioning the poster this way where you can see it from outside if you looked up in my window. Just kind of happened by happenstance, but people kind of got freaked out by that a little bit, but I even kind of got freaked out at that sometimes because I kind of forgot it was there, and not only that, not only that was it perfectly place where you can see it from outside looking up if you if the blinds were open but it was placed perfectly center behind me in the view of my sink mirror so oftentimes i forget that i had the poster up and get up in the morning brush my teeth and look up from spitting out my toothpaste and be like wait a minute when you get there pennywise but a little side note story there I'm, I love Pennywise. You know, um, want to play game, Georgie? <laughs> but anyway, no. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of go to a different world. Uh, want to talk about Pennywise? And why I don't hate on the second on second movie. A lot of people don't like it. I think it's a good movie, so don't hate on it. But anyway, back to the Enneagram. Fear is being outside at midnight alone in a parking lot with very little light and looking in the near distance and seeing Pennywise the Clown holding a red balloon. That's more fear. Whereas anxiety is... The possibility of that happening, uh, of it being, of you being out in a parking lot with little lights at midnight and seeing Pennywise the clown holding a red balloon in the near distance, but it not actually happening. That's anxiety to have this idea of something happening, but it not actually being true. Whereas fear is to have this idea of something that is actually true and happening right before you to see pennywise in the parking lot at midnight holding a red balloon that's fear but to think that you possibly could see pennywise at midnight holding a red balloon that's anxiety one's materialized one's just an abstract idea so 
knowing that difference between fear and anxiety, that really sets the tone more for understanding this deadly sin of type sixes. So like I said, we use the common word fear, but it's more over anxiety than it is more fear. But really, they really kind of work hand in hand because fear and anxiety just no matter what situation or uh, context you're talking about, fear and anxiety just really work together. Or like two peas in a pot. Probably a horrible analogy to use two peas in a pot for fear and anxiety, but <laughs> it, it's true though. So that's the deadly sin of type sixes. Let's talk about the deadly sin for type sevens though. Sevens are gluttons. They have the deadly sin of gluttony. But I love that. It, it seems like to me every time I say something about the Enneagram, there's always a but because it's, you know, this is how you typically think, but Enneagram, this is not how it is. Now, I, I just love that about the Enneagram. So love that about I love that about the Enneagrams because like glutton, we think a glutton as, you know, this, but in the Enneagram, it's not that, it's this. And what is that? So typically we think of a glutton as somebody who just continually eats food and is just devours food even without being hungry. That's how we typically think of a glutton. But in the sphere of Enneagram and type sevens, they are gluttons of experiences. A seven's deadly sin of gluttony speaks to their compulsive need to devour positive experiences and stimulating ideas. Why? to fend off any pain, to fend off any suffering that they might have in their life. Type sevens just really go, they eat away at experiences after experiences after experiences because staying busy, staying in a new opportunity and enjoying life takes away that pain it, it, it removes it, the pain is still there all ever so real but because they're so in depth with whatever experience they're currently in they just don't think about the pain they don't, type sevens don't think about the suffering because again they're gluttons of experiences they're gluttons of opportunities they're gluttons of options so they don't have to think about suffering. They don't have to think about pain. But every center of the Enneagram has this one emotional response that is triggered when they start to lose contact with their true self. Of course, these emotions are across the board for every type of the Enneagram, but there is one emotional response for each center, for the gut triad, for the heart triad, and for the head triad that 
it's the emotion that takes over when the type of that triad starts to lose contact with their true self. For the gut triad, that was anger. For the heart triad, that was shame. But for the head triad, that emotion is fear. So let's take a look at how type five, sixes, and sevens cope with that emotion of fear. Fives cope with this fear by withdrawing from the world. They become very secretive and isolated, whereas sixes deal with fear by looking for external sources that give them a sense of security. Sixes will also cope with fear by just confronting it head on. For six, defying their fear until it is free is a way of dealing with. Sevens cope with fear by keeping their mind occupied with exist with ex, not existing. Tongue tied (laughs) by keeping their mind occupied with exciting possibilities and options. Again, sevens create this never land. I am getting very tongue twisted. (laughs) Sevens create this never land that they can escape to, to not experience pain and suffering. Sevens cope with fear by saying, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go for a hike. I'm going to go for a bike ride. I'm going to go to the arcade. Arcades don't even exist anymore. I guess you can count Dave and Buster as one or like Chuck E. Cheese. Anyway, <laughs> I've been going on thousands of, t- thousands of tangents in this episode. But that's what a seven is like. And I guess that's my seven wing coming out in me. It's like going to this and that. It's also probably my undiagnosed ADHD. But sevens cope with fear by keeping their mind occupied, by always being inside a different exciting possibility, by always being inside a different experience. So that's really all I have about the head triad for now of course we're going to take a deeper look into each type in their own uh, special episode but i do want to kind of really just touch on the direction of any grammar start podcast in just a moment Do you like buying merch and supporting your favorite brands? Well, now you can support any Grammar Start podcast by showing off our merch. We have socks, blankets, shirts, tote bags, mugs, and more stuff to come in the coming months. Just head over to merch.braylonwilliams.me to shop the collection of any Grammar Start podcast merch. So I want to take a few moments to 
just talk about where Enneagram Podcast is heading. So it's hard to believe, but we are actually on the tail end of season one. In fact, there's only four episodes left after today's episode. Well, have, of course, in each three episodes, each dedicated to each type of the head triad. So we'll have an episode just about type fives, an episode just about type sixes, and then an episode just about type sevens. But after that type seven episode, it's going to be the last episode. It's going to be a recap episode. And so what I'm planning on doing in the recap episode is I want to take a look into all the successes and all the failures of season one. It's going to be very comedic, hopefully. Uh, as comedic as can be as one guy speaking into the mic with nobody around but himself. But <laughs> I might just be going a little bit crazy. Who knows? Um, no, I'm not. I'm f- fully mentally stable. But <laughs> I think, am I? I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> the recap episode is going to take a look at all of those, the successes as well as the failures of season one of Enneagram Restored Podcast. The recap episode will also have a quick rundown of all the types. So essentially offering a type description, the deadly sins, and how they deal with the, that overarching, not the overarching, but that one emotional response for each type, you know, just basically taking all these previous episodes and squish them down into one segment of one episode. It's going to be a challenge, but I believe I can do it. We'll see. But that's really what the recap episode is going to tell like that again looking at the successes and the failures and having a quick rundown of all the types in one episode. But the question remains, what will season two look like? Still at this moment, I cannot say when season two will release. Not because I don't have it. Not because anything else other than the fact that I simply have not started working on it, so I don't have a date yet. So, let's just say life has thrown a bunch of curveballs here lately, so I've been really behind on everything. In fact, I'm even behind on this episode, because this episode was supposed to come out last week, but I skipped a week because of life. Don't you just love life? I know, right? Um, But with that being said, I can't tell you when season two will debut because I just don't know yet. But I can tell you that in season two, there will be a lot more guest interviews. And also be doing some more. I'll be doing what I want to call mini series within the season. So I want to do a mini series on the wings of each type what that means and how that looks and how that plays out in personality. Uh, and I also want to do a mini-series about each type 
relationships and how that and how they can kind of like better the relationships. So that's that's a very broad overview of what season two will kind of look like. But you know, I, I was thinking that just just the other day, really, um, it is just it's strange. It, it feels like March twenty fifth was just a day. Um, if you have been listening from the start, March twenty fifth is when I released the first episode of Enneagram Start Podcast, and it feels like it was just yesterday. And it might feel that way because it was a big day because. Not only did I release a podcast episode that day, I also had two teeth surgically removed. So while I was excited for this new podcast, I was also in pain from tooth surgery. So it was a big day, both good and bad, but all good. Because after that tooth surgery, I was able to, like, my mouth has never felt better in my life. Little PSA, take care of your teeth, brush twice a day, floss after every meal. I still like on that flossing part, but, and use mouthwash, take care of your teeth because you only get one set. And I wish somebody would have taught me how to brush my teeth better early in life and I wouldn't have all these pains. Uh, also, when you brush your teeth, brush in tiny circles counterclockwise it helps i promise you um but now that my healthy teeth psa is over let's get back to talking about this show okay uh but yeah it, it just seems like that day march 25th the first episode release date of Enneagram store podcast it, it it just seems like it was yesterday and it's just hard to believe that season one is just four episodes away from ending but I am ecstatic. I am over the moon. I am just happy about everything that's going to happen in season two. And I really hope that you will continue to listen to the rest of season one. And that you, even after a break, which might be months long of a break, um, that when season two debuts, that you'll come back and you'll listen again to each and every episode and you'll deepen your understanding of the Enneagram and how it restores you. And it's not a definition tool of your personality, but more of a, you know, tool to help you to rewire how you think and how you act and how you love. I hope you'll come back for season two because I'm excited. Like I said, I'm just over the moon for season two. It's going to be great. Uh, talking to a lot of great people right now who are going to be guests in season two. So I'm just excited about everything that's going to happen. That's it for this week's show of Enneagram Store Podcast. Again, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. And don't miss next week's show because we're going to take a deeper look into Type 5, giving them their own episode. Um, so about 30 to 35 minutes or maybe even 40 to 45 minutes of 
me talking about nothing but type 5. It's going to be great. Don't miss it. And remember, the Enneagram doesn't define you, but it does bring restoration. It helps reshape your thinking and habits. 